0: Literacy conversations with Molly Rao and Jessica Rickert. Our guest this week this week is Jesse Meeks. So, welcome, Jesse. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your CCIRA life and your professional life.
1: Hi. Uh, well, for CCIRA, I am the new state membership coordinator. So, um, I'm getting into that role, and um, you know, sending out messages about renewals for membership and all of those great things so um, you might hear from me when your membership comes up for renewal and then professionally I am a teacher at Maple Grove Elementary in Golden and um, this year I am teaching a multi-age classroom of second and third graders and we are in person
0: Wow. Second and third grade. How are you doing that? Especially with like all the standards. I just, that's an interesting combination.
1: Yeah. Um, what is, um, what I'm noticing especially around literacy is that, um, a lot of the standards are essentially the same, but at you know different levels of proficiency. And so, um, I'm approaching reading and writing with my two grade levels as you are all going to be learning about how to write personal narratives. And for some of us, it's personal narratives that are more a, a series of events within a day. And for some of us, it's we're trying to narrow in on the heart of the story and go deeper with that. But we all need to learn craft moves and we all need to learn how to elaborate. Um, and so, you know, and as we all know, as teachers, we can have kids in an assigned grade level, but that doesn't mean that they're all working at proficiency in that assigned grade level. So it's a matter of differentiating up and down, up, you know, for some of my second graders is, you know, on par with some of my third graders. So that that's working well. And then for math, um, those don't align quite as easily. <laughs> Some of my I have three second graders that are ready for multiplication and the rest of them we're working on addition and subtraction strategies so um, that um, that's presenting more of a challenge for me. (laughs)
0: Like logistically how do you do you teach second grade math in a whole group while the third graders are working on something and then switch it.
1: So um, I really value the workshop model for all of my content areas, and so I had to figure out a way that I didn't lose that time of individual conferences or small group work with my kids. So what I decided to try, and it seems to be working so far, um, I'm recording video lessons. So for my third graders, they'll get a video lesson on Monday while I'm teaching my second graders live. And then it'll flip-flop. The second graders will get a video lesson Tuesday and the third graders get a live lesson. So one group's watching their video lesson while the second group is getting their um, in-person lesson. And then they all go off into their different workshop tasks. And so I can go around and meet with all of them. Um, And that seems to be working really well. It, It took an adjustment period of how do I watch a video and really watch it to absorb the content. And um, we're still working on that, <laughs> but it, the it, what I really value though is that time to meet with kids, and so this has preserved that.
2: So, thinking of that video thing, I think a lot of teachers right now whether or not they have two grade levels in one classroom or not, have had to turn to videos. So Mm -hmm. you mentioned a little bit like teaching your kids how to use and learn from video. So what are some sort of strategies or things that you work on with kids to help them be better learners with, you know, this like robot teacher?
1: Right. Um, Some of the things that we practiced before even going into that, um, we, talked about how to use our learning plans. So I have a learning plan up for each group every day. Um, They can access it in their Google classroom. And so we looked at what were the parts of the learning plan. So there's the learning target and then there's you sort of the steps that you're taking and then the materials that you need. So we broke that down together. And then I make sure even in the video to still, I have that up behind me on the projected Um, screen. And I still go through that with them. So I read the learning target with them and I've superimposed it on the video. And then at the end of the video, we go through the steps that they have to do and the materials that they need. So I I think that consistency that they see in person and on video helps. um, So they know what to expect. And then, you know, one of the things that I've really you know, felt in my core this year is that you have to bring it down to what's most essential. And so, you know, really trying to keep my videos, you know, definitely under 10 minutes, if not closer to seven, so that I'm hitting for the kids, just, you know, this is the basic idea of what you need instead of a lot of chatter or, you know, oh, and do this, oh, and do that. And, um, you know, just going over with them afterwards you know sort of in a debrief like what was it that you got out of the video (laughs) and so okay that's what you now need to go focus on in your own work i like that i
2: so i have kept it even shorter than that seven to ten minutes um and i part of it i'm using screencastify for some of my videos for my kids and so the free version you have a five minute limit which is part of why i've kept it shorter yeah. <laughs> it's been great for me because it's like, you know, you get to it and all of a sudden the video stops recording and I'm like, okay, I said too much. Mm-hmm. So what, what needs to go so that they have five minutes of instruction? And, you know, sometimes I can't do that. I have to put something else together. But <laughs> <and> <laughs> like that, trying to keep to those short essentials, it's so important right now because you know, even if they're not, I mean, your kids are at least in your room watching that video. But, you know, I, as a secondary teacher, like my kids are at home and they might be watching that video. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes elementary kids, maybe I'm wrong, might have better attention spans than middle schoolers because middle schoolers are like, oh, Instagram. (laughs) So, you know, anything much longer than five minutes, you've lost them. So I I agree that like those essentials are so important. Um, Do you have any tips or tricks? Because sometimes, you know, as teachers, we get so bogged down in like all the things, all those things we think they need to know. So what are sort of your tips and tricks for teachers on how to keep it short and sweet and focus on that essential information?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that's really helped me is going back to the state standards. And so, you know, if they're presented in nice, clear language for me as a teacher, so that I have, you know, a nice, guidepost for, okay, my kids need to be able to, you know, understand what an odd or even number is. So, you know, and then I have a resource that I'm using, but, you know, it's, it's taking out some of that verbiage. It's, you know, let me show you the, the three ways that I think about this, you know, give those a try, see which one works for you. If you come up with another way, great, let me know. And so I I think just having in the back of my mind, what's, you know, what do I really want to be accountable for to them to get across to them instead of, you know, all of the different ways that we could be talking about this.
0: How about for other virtual, well, I guess you're not virtual, but other tech tools that you're using besides just video?
1: Um so well actually my um kids are working on their final project for the reading and writing unit this week. And so um they're learning the video tool that I did which is WeVideo. Um but they're also doing podcasts using Soundtrap and um they're creating audiobooks using Book Creator. So they've typed up their stories and then they're doing a voiceover on those. Um so those are student friendly tools that we've been using. Um, And then, I mean, Google Classroom, like we keep coming back to Google Classroom over and over again. Um, We found that um, one of the best ways to do, you know, sort of those virtual assessments for kids, set them up in um, Google Slides because they're much more user friendly. You can put in text boxes and pictures and cues for the kids. So um, we've been using that a lot for our assessments. Um... Let's see, what are some other tools that we've been using? Oh, Jamboard. We've been using Jamboard for a lot of collaboration work. And, um, you know, that, that's been great for kids to share their thinking with each other or even to just to create their own. And, you know, be able to move around their ideas and and draw and do creative things with that.
2: I love it mentioned Google Slides because I feel like they've become a lot more versatile than they used to be. Um, One of my new favorite features, and it's probably been around for a while, but I just recently discovered it, is the ability to, you know, throw a little audio clip in there. And so, you know, I can put, I, I sat the other day and I just used a little recording app on my phone and I recorded these short, like, you know, sometimes 10 second or 15 second audio clips of me reading or explaining something on a slide and then you just embed it right there and then next slide short little audio clip and it was so like it took me less than a minute to put these little audio clips on each slide and it made me feel so much better and so then I have like I have one kid his verbal is awesome as far as you know an ELL student but reading is really hard for him and so he was so excited he could just click that button and there I was explaining things to him and talking to him and huge difference for him and some of my struggling readers like slides Mm -hmm. is my favorite and I want to know why they don't have an embed audio file in a google doc yet that Mm -hmm. part I'm not not happy about they need to fix that
1: Yeah. It's so funny that you mentioned it because I was just using that right before coming on. <laughs> We're doing a end of unit assessment. And so I posted pictures of the text in the slideshow. And then for my kids who need more help with their reading, I just put in an audio file myself reading the story to them.
2: Well, and let me ask you, like, what's your method? Like, where do you record it? Because that's one downside. You can't record right in Google. So you have to make your recording somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So you have to give people an idea if they want to use that. How can you make that quick and efficient? So how do you go about that?
1: So um, I had to play around with it. And um, the way that seemed to uh, be most efficient for me this, this evening, who knows tomorrow. Uh, but this evening it was, I went into Soundtrap and recorded it like a podcast with just the audio file. And then I downloaded that as an MP4 and put it into Google Drive that way once it was downloaded. And then it easily just went right into my Google Slides.
2: Okay, I might have to try it with Soundtrap because I do. like I'm actually my building manager for Soundtrap, but... I haven't used it yet. <laughs> so was of the like full, Hey, we need something for our media productions classes to work on remotely. And so I found that and we got some subscriptions, but I haven't played around with that. I do. Mm-hmm. I want, I want you to try this because it was very efficient for me. So I just got an app on my phone, just found a mm-hmm. random like recording app. Now you have to be careful. This is for everybody. You have to use a- something that will save it as an MP4 Um, And there's a couple there's like one other audio file that works. But the first app I tried had the wrong file type and wouldn't work. But the app I picked let me literally save it directly into my Google Drive. So I saved that step in Soundtrap of having to download it and then move it into Google Drive. So that was that was a big time saver for me. So it was like record, send to drive. And then, you know, the Google slides can pull it straight from your drive. So that was super, super fast and handy.
1: Oh, that would be so much nicer. Thank you.
2: (laughs) Now I don't have an app recommendation because I have no idea what I used, but (laughs) and free.
1: All right. I'll search for that.
2: (laughs) Um, Going back earlier, you were talking about, and I can't even remember what you called it right now, but kind of your like basic framework for your lessons where you had your targets and Mm -hmm. you, materials and you know, their little task instructions
1: mm-hmm, my learning plans
2: yes your learning plans that's what you know. yes so that's something that I've kind of used as well and um one thing that I you know again I'm living in a hybrid world where I have kids at home turning stuff in and I've added to mine so I have kind of those same things that you have I've added to mine a submission piece where it explains to them, this is how you submit or or this is what you need to submit because that was something that was like getting, even though it was in the task, it was getting lost in translation. Like they, they would miss what they needed to submit. Um, and I'm, I've started using, I don't know if you're doing anything like this, like icons with mine. Mm -hmm. Like Submission has this little like paper airplane. Mm -hmm. Um, The learning task has a little kid sitting in a computer. And then I have, of course, the target is like the target with an arrow in it. But do you make use of any icons or things with your kids, you know, especially when you have your kids like watching videos or doing some tasks without you? What are some other things other than the slides that read to them or other strategies you use to kind of support kids who don't have that teacher there? Some cues or, you know, things you train them on that help them function in your absence.
1: Yes, definitely. Well, I know my teammate has been using icons, and so we've started doing more of that. So, for instance, in our um, assessment that's coming up, there's, um, you know, like, an arrow clicking on a dot to show, like, click on, you know, double-click on the text box. Um, the other thing that I, we, um, we've gotten from our social-emotional learning specialist is something called a do-what chart. And so it breaks down tasks into sort of the verbs and then what comes after the verbs. And so it's, you know, like, type um, your personal narrative and then um, check your spelling. And so as we're putting in those, um, you know, the tasks that they need to go through, we, de- we try to break those two things apart, um we use ellipses to do that right now normally you put it into a table with the do on one side and the what on the other but we talked with them at the beginning of the year about you know this is why we've structured it this way because this is sort of telling you the step you need to take the action and then this is telling you what to do with it so even just the other day i reviewed that with some of my kids you know that this says you need to cut then glue then explain so you know that you need to have at least those things. What you do with them is over here. But, you know, if you're not hitting these three big things, then that's what you're missing. So we, we're we trying to help them break it down a little bit that way so that they're more efficient at processing directions.
2: I love that. I'm going to steal that for my middle schoolers because they need that just as much as second and third graders do.
1: <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs>
0: well, and I think that would, I know that, some elementaries are actually going back to online learning. And so I think that would be even helpful for parents because I know parents are struggling just as much as kids with at home learning. And so giving them those step-by-step directions, it makes it easier on everybody too. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go back, too, because I know some people have heard all of these different tech things and people are using different things. Could you explain more? You mentioned Jamboard and WeVideo. Can you explain those two for people and kind of more specific how you're using them?
1: Sure. So um, Jamboard is really nice. It's just part of your Google tools. And so um, you can use it the same way that you use Google. Docs or slides with your kids, so you can create something and then share it with them and allow them to be editors. So um, they could all be working on a Jamboard together, and so it's it's basically sort of like a virtual bulletin board. So what I've done, um, I've used it a couple of different ways. So um, one day I might post some information and then a question, and the kids can go in and add their own post-it notes to it and with it responses. Um, at, or um, I do it on Fridays, um, you know, like put a post-it note about something nice about one of your classmates up there. So everyone's working on the same virtual bulletin board. And so as they're writing something nice to, you know, another person, they're seeing that, oh, you know, so-and-so really likes that I asked them to play at recess. So, you know, it that adds to some of the digital collaboration. But then you can also do it where, you um, if you assign it in Google Classroom, you can have it just make a copy for each student. So we were doing some social-emotional learning at the beginning of the year, and we were talking about, like, where do we feel strong feelings in our bodies? And so I posted just a little outline of a figure, and then they were supposed to, you know, use the drawing tool or the writing tool to sort of draw where those feelings were, and then post, you know, what do I feel? Do I feel that, you know my my tummy's icky, or my forehead's hot, things like that. And so then they had their own copy that was in their own drive, and they could go back and reference those. So that's cool that you can use it a couple of different ways, collaboratively or independently. Uh, so we video. I've been using that for recording my lessons for the kids, and so it's um, a video creation tool um, that is really versatile. So you can record yourself making videos. You can put in text that either, you know, you can see the text while you're watching the video, or you can see the text over the video. Um, you can add in sound effects. There's um, music that is already preloaded that you can put in. You They have some stock images or like short video clips that you can superimpose, or you can put in your own images. So last year during the remote. Um, learning period I did all my read-alouds that way so the kids could see me reading the book um, or my kids um, last year they created book trailers of some of their mystery books so they did it just with pictures so they took pictures from their books the book covers then they pulled in some other images um, off of the, the program and they recorded themselves you know explaining why this you know everyone should read this book and they put in some mysterious music and it's really easy to share. What's nice is when you go to save it, you can um, select to save it into your Google drive. And so then you have just, you know, a nice folder with all of your videos in Google drive that you can always come back to, which then makes it easy for collaboration too.
0: That's super interesting. I saw that a little bit last year from both of those things, but I love how you expanded on it and gave us some new ideas too. Um, I'm wondering too, you talked about the social emotional piece and an activity that you did. How are you seeing that your kids are doing? And is there extra things that you need to be doing with the social emotional part during COVID?
1: Um. My kids were very excited to get back into the classroom. <laughs> I've, uh, you know, I, I love how excited little kids get about school anyway, but to have them say like, I feel like I'm alive again, or I never want to leave school. You know, I mean, that just made my day. And so, I, you know, that sense of stability, I think was really important for them. And now that we're a couple months in, um, I'm starting to see that kids are coming to the understanding that school is going to look different for a long time. And so, especially with my younger students, I'm seeing that um, they're having more hesitation, you know coming into the building on a given day. Um, you know, like I, I don't want to you know even just take that first step across the threshold, a lot of anxiety, you know just because of the masks and you know, first thing Ms. Meats asks me is, you know, how do you feel today? (laughs) And um, so I'm starting to see that with the the younger students. And um, another thing that I saw early in the year, of course, our first week back, we had a major snowstorm. So all of our plans to have outdoor recess and outdoor breaks and outdoor lunch, those went down the tube. And so we were, you know, sitting in rows, all facing one way in the cafeteria. Then we came back and we had indoor recess and we were all sitting at our desks. And um, like it created this greater sense of isolation. Even though we were all in the room together, they couldn't mix the way that they normally felt like they could. And so, you know, we've had to do some thinking around that. Like, how do we make sure that they have a core group of friends And that they know they can sit with, you know, three to a table in the cafeteria. Or, um, you know, if we're doing indoor recess, like how do we arrange it so that they have spots in the room that they can go to where they can be distanced, but still be with a group of friends? So, I, you know, I think just being aware that there's anxiety and there's a sense of isolation. Um, And then, you know, we've been adjusting our social emotional curriculum to really just how do we recognize our feelings? What do we do once we recognize them? Um, You know, a lot of, you know, stopping and naming our feelings and figuring out calm down strategies um, and uh, being sensitive to, we're all dealing with this and some of us are dealing with it in different ways. What could that look like? And how do we respect that?
0: Yeah, that's my biggest concern because I hear from so many teachers and there's so many different ways that schools are handling this, but that the isolation piece for kids, I mean, there's we're all social beings to different levels, but definitely kids are that way and they're not as in tune as we are as adults and how to handle this or even recognizing like, oh, I'm not feeling okay today and I don't know why I'm anxious, I just am and I don't want to go in. And I think as adults, I mean, sometimes we're not good at recognizing it either. But I mean, we have a little, we have more skills to identify that. So that sounds great how you guys are handling that. And well, thinking of that um, makes me also
2: wonder, you know, you've talked a little bit about collaboration using some digital tools but how do you give them opportunities to collaborate in that physical space while kind of maintaining the rules of social distancing? Um, how are you tackling that in your classroom?
1: <laughs> so, um, like I said, we have I've marked assigned spots around the classroom, and um, so I have them in groups of three, which you know seems like a pretty manageable number to still have that distance and so they know there's a spot to go to each and every time. So if it's reading, it's this group, it's this spot. And so then we've practiced, practice 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 just, you know, how do we sit in that group? Like how far apart do we need to be? How do we control our bodies so that we're not, you know, suddenly lurching forward on our knees and right in someone's face. <laughs> and then, you know, we've had conversations about, you know, it's it's everyone's job to make sure that we stay healthy. And so if you're feeling like someone is too close or you notice that their mask has slipped, you know, it's okay for you to politely and kindly say, hey, would you mind pulling your mask up? Or, hey, could you back away a little bit? And they've done really well at handling all of that. So, um, you know, that, that I think was one of the most important first steps was to allow them to be able to say that to each other. But yeah, I... I don't know how we could um, do the work that we like to do without them, you know, sitting down (laughs) in some space together and being able to talk to each other because, you know, and I mean, that's one of our standards too, is that they learn how to, you know, communicate orally and in writing. And so it's still important for them to have those conversations and learn how to, you know, build on each other's thinking.
2: Uh, I absolutely agree. I feel a little lost this year because some of my, like, discussion strategies where they really get to move and they get to talk to a lot of other students, I just can't, I can't orchestrate those safely. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it has kind of limited us to a degree, but I agree. Like, you come up with those spaces and you teach them their strategies and just keep at it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> It is is sad to lose the diversity and strategies that we have and, you know, have to just kind of work with the few that fit. Um, Mm -hmm. You said you marked out those areas in your room. So I'm wondering how you did that, because I know in my district, we're very limited in terms of what we're allowed to put on the floor. Although I think this year some teachers have just gone rogue and said, I don't care what tape is allowed or not allowed on the floor. I'm marking things the end. So how are you you going about that? And maybe it's okay and maybe it's not okay. Um, But, you know, how did you mark that out and kind of help kids know where those spaces are?
1: Well, um, we have carpet. So um, our facilities department bought for us um, the, like, bright, big, like, really clingy Velcro. And so, you know, just cutting big, pieces of those and then writing numbers on them so you know it's always like here here's spot one you know I would always get stuck in the trap of okay like this group's going to be here and this group's going to be here and so then they're like chaos all around the room trying to figure out where am I did where did you mention my number so this keeps it nice and simple for all of us it's like you're in group one you're always here <laughs> like period the end Um, And then blue painter's tape. Like, I have blue painter's tape up all over a place in my room this year. (laughs) It's very colorful.
0: Who would have ever thought we were, like, marking boxes for kids to stay in? (laughs) It used to be a big no-no, and now it has to be the norm for some things. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to pivot a little bit, and because – part of this podcast, we're talking to different people about how you're accessing professional development, because, you know, we used to go to these meetings, we have, you know, face to face local council meetings and conferences. And I think people are feeling stretched for time. They're also feeling extra stressed out trying to just figure everything out. And so how are you accessing PD for yourself?
1: Well, one of the things that um, I found was a great blessing this summer was actually online conferences and um, PD that was pre recorded. That, you know, it had slideshows and you could listen to the speaker presenting. Um, That way I could, you know, take it, um, you know, in whatever chunks I needed to. I could, you know, be doing whatever else I needed to at the same time and be listening and still getting that professional development piece and then can always go back to it. I think that's the, one of the nicest things is that, you know, this, even if it's for a limited amount of time, you can go back to it. And, you know, if you heard something that you just sort of caught, you can go back and, you know, refresh your memory on what did that presenter say? So I've done a lot of, online conferences and then pre-recorded pieces. And then, you know, just staying current on, you know, anything that's published, you know, anything that's sent to me in the mail, um, everything from CCIRA that comes out, you know, it's nice that it comes right to my inbox. I don't have to go, you know, searching for it. (laughs) And I can sit down in a, a small amount of time, read through it, digest it, and then go and apply it. and you know, knowing that there's other teachers in my building who are getting that same information, you know, talk to them about, you know, what did you get out of this and what did you understand and how are you going to use this? Anything that comes to me, I'm grateful for.
0: That's great. What about um, since you're the member, state membership person coordinator for CCIRA, why would you encourage somebody to become a member of
1: CCIRA? Well, I think the professional community that you get out of CCIRA is so outstanding. There's a wealth of teachers from all different backgrounds. Um, You Even just thinking about the three of us here and our different professional backgrounds, but we're having conversations about teaching and literacy. And so you get that opportunity uh, when you join and then you get connected with your local council to network with all of these other teachers, become friends with them, learn about professional practices that you might not get to see in your own school or district. Um, Like I said, there's the benefit of all of the great resources that come to you through CCIRA. So the podcast and the blog and the communicator, so many great resources that you then have access to from, you know, people who are in the classroom on a daily basis to some of those experts that you know about, and you know they're giving up their time to you know write this blog piece for you, and that's amazing <laughs> that you get the the benefit of their knowledge. And then, of course, there's always you know the the great resources that you get discounts on because you're a CCIRA member. So the conferences, um, the discounted member rate is fabulous for that, and um, the the work that you do with your local councils then you know, you have access to that. I know for Jefferson County, it you you get to go free if you're a CCIRA member. So um, they have you know, great speakers and discussions and um, all of that information available to members of CCRA who work in Jefferson Counties. And then, um, you know, just access to um, the opportunity to work into leadership positions, you know? So if you're really passionate about, literacy and want to get more involved there's your local council that you can get involved in and you work to help them develop literacy in your community or you can work your way up into you know getting to know more about the the state organization and what it does and um, it it makes for a a great professional community
0: so thinking about the conference coming up if you become a member now it's $35 and then you'll get a discount on the conference. What are some things, why would somebody go to CCIRA conference? Why do you think that's important?
1: Well, I know that every year that I go, um, not only do you get to see these, you know, world renowned literacy professionals that you you read their books and you you hear about them professionally and you get to see them in person. But there always seems to be, whether it's the theme that the, the conference chair has chosen or whether it's something that you're passionate about on your own and you just happen to have chosen those sessions to go to, there's always this theme that sort of runs through it in my own learning. And so I'm in sessions that I start to see connections between um, you know, different aspects of literacy. So one year I might be really interested in writing, and I take all of these writing pieces, and suddenly it transforms the way that I do writing instruction. I know I always go back, and you know, there's something new that I want to start applying, whether it's a big change or something that's just a little tweak that you know really makes a huge difference to my students because it was that one thing that I didn't know that I should be doing, and. Then you also get to you know, make connections with other teachers across the state and the country and the world. And you have conversations with them that's built into all of those sessions where you find out you know, what are they doing in their classroom and you know, how is this working for them? And uh, it, it's that opportunity to get outside your own little bubble that you might never have. And I mean, it, it's just amazing resources. So it's, it's getting outside your bubble with all of this world-class material. And
2: sometimes you go way outside your bubble. Cause I think Jessica at least knows, I don't know if you know this, Jesse, I am most of the time very, you know, I don't put myself out there in crazy ways. Uh, last year, I believe there was like a whole dancing Like festivity for you know, just kind of getting ourselves pumped up, and I I I think there's some scary scary film of me getting super pumped up with my fellow teachers and dancing around the uh, general session. So that's the other beauty of it, you know. Sometimes you just need that inspiration. I think we all hit those moments as teachers. You know, the learning inspires us, and we can go back really excited. But sometimes it's just being with a room full of people who also know know what it feels like to be totally stressed out and at your wit's end and you know to just get to like let go with them and i hope that even virtually this year there are those little moments where we can all kind of you know dance or sing or whatever remember, what's his name i can't, rick like this was at your conference maybe yeah. where rick normally yeah, he got an entire room to sing. I did not sing that. That's that's a type of letting go that I don't do. Um, but I watched the rest of the room sing at the top of their lungs, um, super excited. So you know, I'm I'm excited even for virtual CCIRA. So some teachers can get pumped up, and you know, and I think that's the beauty of this organization. It's a place that we can all get excited about our craft and you know, like you said, learn some new moves that we maybe didn't know before that transform what we can do. But it's an awesome organization to be part of.
1: And it's always nice to go someplace where people appreciate the hard work that you're doing. And they thank you for that. You know, every year, there's speaker there that is just like, I understand how hard this job is. And thank you for all of your hard work. You know, it's, it's nice to hear that. And this year, especially (laughs) we need that positive reassurance. So that's one of the things I always look forward to at CCIRA conference is that someone's going to thank you for your job.
2: (laughs) We need that positive reinforcement just as much as our kids do. (laughs)
0: Definitely. (laughs) Well, and you're around a group of peers that truly understand what you're going through, which is also nice too. Um, and Jesse, I loved how you said when you were going in this summer, you were going to conferences, and you loved the virtual conferences because you could rewatch video. And so, I think that's going to be one of the benefits to CCIRA this year that it's virtual is that you can rewatch a video or you can access other videos. So. Registration opens December 1st, and we'd highly encourage you all to spread the word. Jesse is super excited to get new members on board, too. So thank you, Jesse. That was some great, good ideas that you shared and great advice. And it sounds like you're balancing it a lot. Yes, Molly. Yeah, before we go, I have to ask
2: my standard question. When I forget to ask it, it makes me really upset. So Thinking back through all the CCIRA conferences you've ever been to, what's like your favorite speaker or like one strategy that has just really stuck with you and maybe changed your practice?
1: Ooh, that's a tricky one.
2: It is because there's so many. (laughs)
1: There is, and I mean, I've I've been going for eight years now, this will be my ninth year going. So that's a lot of memories to sift through. Um, You know, what's jumping out at me right now um, was actually for the most recent conference and um, just how many speakers talked about the need for diverse children's literature and um, the need for teachers to be seeking that out. And and the statistic about how many books have animals as their main characters and and how that's growing versus, you know, diverse people characters. And so I I know my team and I have really made a push this year to include, you know, characters from all different backgrounds into our read-alouds and um, our conversations and, so, you know, we we continue to come back to that about how how do we build this diversity in the pictures that we're showing our students of themselves or of others. And so th- that really sticks out to me right now.
2: I love that. And you get a book. <laughs> you get a book. <laughs> I, I was very excited about that. But I immediately gave it away to a kid when I got back to school. So I don't have to. <laughs> need to order
0: another one yeah well jesse thank you for all of your insight and i admire you teaching a combo of second and third grade that is very impressive and we really appreciate you sharing your ideas with us tonight
1: sure thank you for having me
3: thank you jesse thanks for listening to ccira literacy conversations podcast To find out more about CCIRA, go to CCIRA.org. On CCIRA.org, you can join as a member or find great resources like our professional development blog, which posts every Tuesday and has a variety of guest writers on an awesome selection of topics. CCIRA is a professional organization of educators and community members dedicated to the promotion and advancement of literacy. We also have a Twitter account at Colorado Reading. You can find us on Instagram at CCIRA underscore Colorado Reading. Or you can find us on Facebook where we also have a members only group that we're trying to build. And our Facebook account is CCIRA Colorado Reading. We'd love to hear more from you. And again, if you're looking for new content, please send any questions or things you'd be interested in seeing from CCIRA to cciravideo at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and have a great week.